Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network. That's right, it's Tuesday. Everyone listening with me live right now. That's who we are on Tuesdays. Of course, the rest of the week, all the other time during the week, we go by Good Morning Liberty. And this is your favorite Liberty Time program every single day of the week when we want to. Yesterday happened to be a a day that we weren't able to do it. I'm hanging out with the Fed Haters Club right now, which you can join for only $6 a month by going to joingmail.com. You can hang out with myself and Charlie live every day of the week when we want to. You can vote on Dumb Bleep of the Week and Dumb Bleep of the Year, and you kind of run the show, honestly. The content of the show, the direction of the show is kind of dictated by the people that we're sitting here on a daily basis hanging out with. Look at all the power that you get for as little as $6 a month. And yes, you get you got to pay to vote. It is kind of like a, a poll tax on Fridays, and, and we appreciate everyone for doing that. Well, we got a few things to talk about since we weren't here yesterday. By the way, I'm, I'm Nate. Charlie, the co-host, is not here. He's in Las Vegas right now. Gambling with all of the podcast money, as some of the people in the live group were saying. Although Charlie happens to be a pretty good gambler. He's uh, pretty good at poker and tends to make money most of the time and somehow has an amazing track record with slot machines as well. You know those slot machines where the, the high roller ones where you put in just a bunch of hundred dollar bills? Those tend to pay out pretty well, and Charlie has found that out, and he's he's up. He's been up in his gambling career as long as he stays away from the table games. He's got to stay away from those. Okay, Charlie, if you can hear me right now, get away from the table games. You can play Cleopatra, okay, the, the slot machine, and you can play Texas Hold'em. Those are the only two approved games that we have for you right now. Anyway... It's Tuesday. Let's talk about what's going on right now in the world. One of the things that's going on that people are talking about, I'm sure most of you have seen, is this uh, this deal with Russell Brand. Now, I don't agree with everything politically that Russell Brand has to say, uh, but I do uh, I do appreciate his uh, free speech, his free speech mentality. Uh, he also did pretty well during COVID on all of the COVID stuff and has kind of created his own little media empire, especially over there on YouTube where he's got over 6 million subscribers, gets a ton of views on every video. You might have heard that some allegations came out about him uh, that stretch back, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, something like that. I think it's 10 years the allegations uh, go back to. And I'll tell you this to start with. I'm not I'm not saying that these allegations are false. I'm I'm not because first off I have no clue. I will however question why they're coming out right now. Um, what exactly is happening in the world to bring these allegations to light right now? That's interesting. And then the newest news is that YouTube is now suspending Russell Brand's revenues from his channel so they have demonetized his channel because of these allegations. This is, I assume, where he gets a, a large majority of his money for his show anyway. I mean, he still has 
acting royalties coming in. He's a comedian. He gets paid from that. So I, I think he's going to be doing fine financially, but they are trying to starve him when it comes to revenue from this channel uh, on YouTube. I believe he posts stuff on Rumble as well, but he doesn't have quite the same following. So from The Guardian, YouTube has suspended Russell Brand's ability to earn money on the platform following allegations of rape and sexual assault and a massive hit to his finances. Uh, YouTube said it had suspended Brand's channel from the YouTube Partner Program after serious allegations against him, meaning his videos are no longer able to be monetized on the platform. The 48-year-old comedian and actor has been accused of rape, assault, and emotional abuse between 2006 and 2013. When he was at the height of his fame, working for the BBC, Channel 4, and starring in Hollywood films, he denies the allegations, saying all his relationships were consensual. So, they talk about a few of the of the allegations. One of them is that he had a relationship with a 16-year-old girl, uh, and that is actually legal over there in the UK. That's the age of consent. Uh, but now maybe this person is saying that it it wasn't as consensual as it seemed. Maybe she was taken advantage of because she is so young. There's another person that claimed that he raped her. Uh, and this is the one that's, you know, this this is concerning. I don't know all the facts behind it, but apparently went to a crisis center the next day, has text from Russell Brand saying, uh, apologizing uh, for for what happened. They they exchanged texts. And, and, and this all happened like 10 to 15 years ago. And so I'm not denying that any of this took place. I do wonder why none of it was important enough to go to the authorities back then. Why is this happening right now? That's the question that must be asked. And I, I put out a tweet. I think one thing we know for sure is that Russell Brand is not on Epstein's client list, because if he would have been on Epstein's client list, then we would have never heard a word about this. This seems like one of those things where they went back through every single one of his relationships and tried to find someone who would say that maybe this wasn't consensual. Maybe they've changed their minds since then. Maybe they, uh, the culture has gotten them to think it was more serious than what they found it, uh, the seriousness they found back then when it happened. And it looks like they, whoever they are, are trying to take him down for the moment. Now, I don't think that that's going to, I don't think that's going to work. I think he's going to do just fine. Um, these days, people will kind of rally behind someone, especially when they think that they are uh, a a victim, that they're being persecuted. And I think that that's what's going to happen with him. No doubt, maybe he'll have trouble in Hollywood. That could be the case. I think his show itself is going to be fine. He might actually increase in viewership after this. And uh, if YouTube never monetizes, re-monetizes his channel, he'll probably spend his time on Rumble or ask for subscribers on, on Twitter, stuff like that, and will probably be just fine. So I'm not saying all the stuff happened. I'm not saying it's true because I have no more clue than you do. Um, there are, from what I can see, there's people on both sides of this. He did it. He didn't do it. I can't even say he didn't do it because I have no clue. All right. I will say that I am suspicious when things come out a decade or more later. Like, why is this happening? Why are we going through this? And why is it always a particular person with a particular set of views uh, that these allegations uh, can kind of come out against? So, you know, I enjoy his videos. 
I don't watch all of them, but I watch him every once in a while. I think he does a great job. And he's been very public about the fact that he was what he calls a sex addict back then. Very promiscuous and has turned a corner and is living a better life these days. And I hope he keeps on living a living a better life. What do you do about things? Yeah, like Costco said, he was addicted to everything. He's got like a 12-step book and everything. It's kind of funny. His his 12 steps are, you know, playing off the main 12 steps in the AA book, but they're worded by Russell Brand, so they're they're pretty funny. Um, I have may or may not have looked through that book a, a, a time or two and just say, what do you do about stuff when it comes out 10, 15 years later, you know? Um, can you prove that something happened? Can you prove that it wasn't consensual? Can you prove a rape this long down the road? Uh, courts have definitely found people guilty of things like this later down the road. Uh, so that's difficult. And then what do you say about YouTube demonetizing the channel? I actually am going to have a more nuanced take on this than people might expect. Um, now, they, I don't like that the idea of suspending someone's ability to make money because there have been allegations that came out against them. All right? We believe in innocent until proven guilty, right? Well, in the eyes of the law, he is innocent until proven guilty. But what about YouTube, a company uh, who is serving up ads on someone's channel? Maybe they know that there are a lot of companies. These ads that get thrown in front of your channel, by the way, they're fairly random uh, things that they think your audience might like, but maybe those companies don't want to be associated with this right now. And so Google's worried that they're going to pull their money if their ads get served up before a Russell Brand video at the moment. So I can kind of understand both sides. Unfortunately, YouTube and Google, Alphabet parent company, uh, has not been great on the principles in this matter. Of course, they're very heavy into censorship of especially censoring people like Russell Brand, which I'm sure they've done plenty of times. I'm actually surprised he's still able to have a YouTube channel these days. I, I, there's no telling how many strikes he's got uh, that maybe he's had to get taken away. I don't, I don't know. Uh, so it's tough to give them the benefit of the doubt in this scenario as well when we know what their political leanings are. Um, more to come on this story, I'm sure. All right, so that's the Russell Brand part of the conversation. Let me know in the live group, people hanging out with me right now, what you think. Did he do it? Did he not do it? Is there anything that we can say about this definitively? I, I would I would think not. And what do you think about the, the move that YouTube made in the live group if you want to let me know? And I'll, I'll let people listen and know what you guys say. The main thing I want to talk about, which we've which we've talked about a bunch, but it's officially going on now and... Of course, all the people I follow on Twitter are talking about this uh, all the time. The greats, the greats out there, Bernie Sanders, AOC, um, Nina Turner, Robert Reich, all these people out here talking about the United Auto Workers strike. And so that strike is happening now. It's not all of the plants. They're striking as their contracts expire they're doing kind of these random strikes to keep the companies guessing in their own words and that i've i've not hidden the fact that i'm no fan of unions it's public unions no private sector unions i don't even like those because many of them are uh you know it's not even whether or not you're forced to join 
that union. It's whether or not the company can prevent the union from forming or what they can do after the union forms without getting in trouble with the Department of Labor. A lot of times they don't they don't have many options other than closing those factories down and moving, which, in fact, they have done in the past. You see the destruction of Detroit. A lot of these companies decided they were just going to move to Mexico or China or wherever. And that had a lot to do with it. And when I see these people striking, I'll be honest with you, what I want them to do is just close down all these factories and just move stuff to Mexico or whatever. Like, I, I don't like this. I don't like what people are saying on the picket lines. I don't like the principle behind the matter. We can talk about the math that goes behind it, which we will talk about some of the math, and then we can talk about the principle. Um, we can argue that maybe the workers at these factories, maybe the people that are in the union, that they do need more of a raise. And if they've only gotten a 6% raise in the last four years when we've had a cumulative 20% inflation over this time, well, you could argue that they need to get more of a raise. Or you could ask, well, what if those union workers could be replaced by people who are fine with whatever that wage is because it's a higher wage than they're getting paid at the uh, restaurant that they're working at right now. And they want to move from the restaurant they're working at to working at the, uh, the auto manufacturer because it's still a big pay bump because they can get 25, 30 bucks an hour. I'm working at this uh, manufacturing plant for Ford or whatever. Well, they can't do that because these are union plants and you got to be in the union. So it's tough. Or like Costco said, are they going to just get replaced by machines? Which is something that's been happening as as well clearly you look at those factories they're very different these days than they were 20 30 years ago a whole lot of robots out there and this is going to speed that up for sure i'll uh <clears throat> i want to try to figure out how to frame this when you go to uh like this article from i don't know this i would just say jacobin it could be jacobin yet jacob i don't know how you say it i don't know what what country that word comes from, but whatever. Big three auto workers are striking against concessions while shareholders reap a bonanza. So this idea here is that shareholders are reaping a bonanza. Now, when we talk about shareholders, that is always meant to make you think of these big wigs. They're wearing suits and smoking cigars and they're raking in fat cash all the time. Um, they say this morning, UAW launched a landmark strike against the big three automakers for their refusal to provide adequate pay and job security. Meanwhile, over the last year, the automakers have authorized $5 billion in stock buybacks. So when you hear something like, well, they authorized $5 billion in stock buybacks, that's supposed to make you think, oh, well, they're just uh, they're paying themselves out and they don't care about paying the workers. A couple things about stock buybacks before we get into some of the videos from the picket lines. When they say they've authorized $5 billion in stock buybacks, that doesn't mean that they just flat out spent $5 billion on stock buybacks. Oftentimes, these are done over the course of, say, 5 to 10 years. What they're doing is they're telling their current shareholders and investors that they're going to spend this much money in buybacks over the next 5 to 10 years, as long as the conditions are right for doing that. They may or may not do it, but they've authorized that much in stock buybacks. It doesn't mean that they just went out and did it. So that's the number one thing. They didn't just straight up spend the $5 billion. The other thing is, what? why is stock buyback? And why is that bad? 
A big reason that you do this is to help the share price of your company. That is why you would do that. And people think that that just means you're helping out all the owners of the corporations. But in fact, you are helping out all of the people who own stock in that company. It's not just the CEO and all of the other people who have O's and their title and C's and whatever. You're helping out everyone who's an investor. This is people's pensions, 401ks, private retirement accounts, anyone else. You're helping keep the value of the stock up. If you look at these companies' stock, especially Ford and GM, when you look at their stock prices, if you would have bought their stock in 1997, you would have a 0% return on them right now. They're basically going flat. And why is that? Because people are moving into EVs. Uh, these companies have not been profitable enough to send these stock prices soaring or anything. And then when you take inflation and all that into account, you've lost money if you held stock over this time. So they'll come in and they will announce a stock buyback. And what does that mean? Let me tell you real quick. Let's say that Ford was going to spend $5 billion on a stock buyback. We'll just use one company and say they're going to do $5 billion. Well, Ford trades something like a billion shares a month. There'll be a, a billion shares bought and sold. So they got a specific amount of shares and people are trading that on the stock market back and forth and they agree upon a price that they're going to uh, trade it on back and forth. Well, when you when you say that we're going to spend $5 billion, well, that's 500 million shares-ish of, of Ford stock or 400 million or whatever it comes out to. And so what you're telling them is there's going to be a lot higher volume because we're going to come in as a buyer of the stock. And so it's not just going to be all the normal volume that there is. It's not going to be all the normal buyers. We're telling you there's going to be another buyer and it's going to be a big buyer. It's going to be us. And we're going to be spending $5 billion on the stock. So you don't want to get rid of your stock right now because we're about to increase the demand for these shares. Not only that, as they're buying back the shares, they are removing shares from the market. I don't want to get too far into the weeds here, but there's a certain amount of shares out there available for people to trade on the market. All right. As they buy that back, they remove shares from the market, decreasing the quantity available and increasing the demand for those shares because they're becoming a buyer of them. That can send the stock price up as well. All right. It's not just good for all the big wig owners of the company. It's good for everyone that owns it. They're not just saying we're going to buy $5 billion worth of stock from the CEO. They're saying we're going to buy $5 billion worth of the stock. That benefits anyone who owns the shares of the company. They're just going to go out there and buy them. Anyone can sell them that stock when they go to buy it. This, this is the case when they're not just buying preferred shares that only the owners of the company own. Okay, those are a little bit different. Those are not what I'm talking about right now. And so when you hear people talk about stock buybacks, you're supposed to immediately think it's a bad thing. But it's not immediately a bad thing. It's good for anyone that wants to be an investor in the company because it can help keep the price up. And it's good for the company because it keeps people investing in it and they need people to invest in it so they can spend that money on whatever it is they want to spend it on. So those are good things. It's not immediately a bad thing. I'm not saying that it's never just to enrich the top bigwigs at the company because 
they also happen to have a lot more shares than most other people would, but that's not the only thing that happens. I want to play some of the videos from the uh, picket lines, and I'll tell you why this has been concerning to me. One of the things concerning is, is exactly what's on screen right now. You've got people like Bernie Sanders out there speaking uh, at these rallies. Why is he out there speaking at these rallies? Because what's happening with UAW and the message that they're preaching to their workers is exactly the kind of message that we've been hearing Bernie Sanders and AOC and others like them preaching to Americans and the world for years and years now. It is a very socialist worker ownership, anti-capitalist message. So there is a reason that people like this go out there and speak. And so when I hear the UAW president speaking, or I hear the, the people on the picket line speaking, it's basically things coming from the brain and the rhetoric of people like Bernie Sanders. I'm not saying it's directly tied to him, but there is a reason uh, that he's out there speaking. We'll play, this is kind of the hype video, stand up and strike, stand up and strike, right here for UAW. I hope you like my singing right there, it's very good. Um, so let's play this couple minutes. the last eight weeks, the CEOs didn't seem to be able to find the time to show up for bargaining. But in the last week, the CEOs and the executives have found a lot of time to be able to go on corporate news and talk the talk. They pretend that the sky will fall if we get our fair share of the quarter of a trillion dollars the Big Three has made over the past decade. They want to say that our righteous fight for a higher quality of life for the working class would wreck the economy. We're not going to wreck the economy. We're going to wreck their economy because it only works for the billionaire class. The workers united will never be divided. The workers united will never be divided. So let's talk facts. First off, I'll say that um, we're not going to wreck the economy. We're going to wreck their economy. What kind of a self-defeating message and ideology is that their economy is the one that all of this money is coming from and you'll see it, this is this doesn't just have to do with uaw and the big three auto manufacturers this is socialism in general they can't look towards the future you look at any cases throughout history venezuela would be a really good one where you get all this money coming in from oil and they decide that they're just going to pay it all out all the money that's coming in they don't invest towards new things Instead, it should all get paid out to the people. And then what happens when you're, you're not up on the technology, you haven't been innovating, you see, you see what happens. Uh, you're not able to refine oil. You're not able to ship oil, stuff like that. So now let's get into uh, the facts, as they say. In just four years, big three profits have shot up 65%. Business is booming. Over okay, first off. This is a common thing I've been hearing. In four years, the big three profits have shot up 65%. Now, that's not entirely incorrect, technically. Technically, it's not entirely incorrect. This top chart, this top thing I have on the spreadsheet, if you're watching the video on YouTube or Rumble or whatever, and you can check that out. Uh, this top thing here shows Stellantis, GM, and Ford 
and you look over the last uh, four or five years and the percentage change, 2018, I'm just going to do 2018 to 2022, um, 15 billion in total net profits for those three. And in 2022, 24.75 billion in net profits for those three. That is an increase of 64.12%. Okay, so they say 65%. That's fine. That's fine. There is a there is a caveat to this, and I wanted to get this point across. Stellantis, Stellantis is an outlier here, and this this just matters when people are using these arguments to uh, to make the case for why they should be able to charge all this money. And we don't even have to make the math case; we can make a philosophical libertarian case for the auto manufacturers should pay out. Uh, whatever it is that they want to pay out to their workers. And if those workers don't like it and they can get a better deal somewhere else, then they need to go work somewhere else. That's what they need to do. And if other people will come in to that factory and work and they'll be happy with 25 or 30 or $35 an hour, uh, then, then that's great. That's how the market works. But when you throw the union on top of that, that's no longer how it works. They're going to try to force them to pay higher wages instead of those people just going to where their skills are more highly valued by other companies, which is the way that we would like to see it. But we're not, we're not going to see that in this case. Stellantis is a big outlier. Here's an important Stellantis is a merger between Chrysler, Fiat, and this uh, PGA group. I think it was PGA. I can't remember what it is now. It starts with a P, whatever group. And this is like a, this is a European company. Okay, this merger happened in 2021. So if you look at Stellantis, you have 2018, 3 billion, 2019, less than 3 billion, 2020, 2.5 billion, 2021, 13.2 billion, 2022, 16.8 billion. The merger was approved in 2021. At that point, this company took over ownership of companies like uh, Maserati and a whole bunch of other European manufacturers that have EVs and other cars that are selling all over the world, uh, making tons of money that they didn't have beforehand when it was just Chrysler Fiat. And so they jump in 2020, 2.5 billion to 2021, 13.2 billion when that merger goes through. And now they're counting all of those sales as well. So when you're talking about the percentage change and the net profit with all these companies, that's an important thing to remember because that is a giant portion of the change. In fact, if this merger didn't happen, and by the way, Maseratis aren't made in the U.S., okay, if this merger didn't happen and Chrysler Fiat just kept going the way it was and I was even generous with the numbers and you gave them $3 billion in 2021 and $5 billion in 2022, assuming that their profits jumped 40% from 2021 to 2022, um, then you've actually got a 14% decline in net profits over that amount of time without that Stellantis merger bringing in all of those European brands. So things are not quite what they seem. It's especially, I mean, they really are the outlier. They shouldn't even be included in this discussion because when you look at GM and Ford, GM, best case scenario, has got 22% increase in net profits over this time. Ford, from 2018 to 2022's profits is minus 153% is what the number comes out to. They lost $2 billion in 2022. Ford did. 
Um, they made a bunch of money in 2021, but that's because of their ownership in Rivian. When Rivian uh, went public and Rivian started delivering vehicles and they have a percentage ownership in Rivian. And so they took in a bunch of increase uh, gain on their Rivian uh, investment that they made. And that's the year that that paid off. And then 2022, they're back down to losing $2 billion. 2020, they lost over a billion dollars. Okay, so things aren't as rosy for these companies as everyone is making it seem right now in a big part because of the Stellantis merger in 2021 and in another big part because of a the only reason Ford made any money in the last two years, three years, was because they made an investment in Rivian that they got paid out like $10 billion on. All right, so that's... That, I just feel like that's important to keep everything in context when these people are making these points. No one talks about this. For that same period, CEO pay has skyrocketed by 40%. They're absolutely rolling in the money. Big three spending on stock buybacks is... Well, I'll have to stop and uh, talk about this one more time. We've already gone through the CEO pay argument. We did that on Dumb Leap of the Week last week. Uh, but the CEO pay argument is null and void. It does not matter. You can take all of the money from the CEO and divide it out amongst all of the workers. And it would be something like an 11 cent raise per hour for all of the workers. If you just gave it to the union employees and not all of the workers, it would be something like a 40 cent raise per hour for all of those workers. So regardless, whichever way you cut it, the CEO pay does not matter. Anytime someone talks about the CEO pay, they are purely talking to you on an emotional basis. They are not talking about math. They are not actually giving you any accounting that matters, that means anything. They are trying to play on your emotions, your envy, your greed for other people's money, which is envy, in my opinion. So that's what they're doing. And they assume that that's going to take your guard down. You're going to feel envious and that you're going to want to get more money. But it does not matter. The numbers do not matter. It's up a staggering 1,500%. Average new car price buybacks is up a staggering 1,500%. Average new car price. They talk about buybacks once again, like we did in this, most, this uh, previous article we were discussing. Uh, because of that $5 billion buyback that they did. Okay. And that's up 1,500%. $5 billion in buybacks, okay, that's some money. Maybe over this entire time, over 10 years, they spent $10 billion on buybacks, okay. Well, if you take these three together, and we'll talk about this a little bit later because it's important, new investments in changing over to EVs and making EV batteries because of the incentives placed above them by the uh, presidential administrations, uh, that's totaling somewhere like $100 billion, and so why look at the stock buybacks and say, well, they've been able to do this, so we should get paid more money when they've done 20 times more in that in investment towards new technologies? It's because you're trying to make people envious once again and get them to do whatever it is that you want them to do. Prices are up 34%. They're price gouging the hell out of the American consumer. Inflation's <laughs> up 20%. I can't. I, I didn't plan on spending this much time on this video, but um, new car prices are up thirty something percent, and that's price gouging. Or, or uh, the raw materials that they're paying for to make these vehicles have also gotten way more expensive over time. Okay, their their profit margins are still really small. 
these companies are still the five, six percent net profit margin, something like that is what they're making. Okay. They're ignoring the fact that the raw goods, the raw materials going into the vehicles have gone up quite a bit. Even electricity costs for the for the factory, shipping costs for all the cars. They're they're not paying attention to any of that. It's just price price gouging. That's that's all it is. Once again, they're just trying to get in your emotions. Inflation is 20%. The next point that they make is a true point. Inflation 20% over this time they're doing since the last contract that they did. And I believe their pay went up 6% over that time. Is that the automaker's fault that inflation was 20% during this time? Or did it have something to do with the government printing trillions of dollars? Okay, so maybe the company is going to have to come in and account for this. But then here's another weird thing. Like, why did their wages only go up 6% through this time? Because that's what the union contract said. That's the thing about getting locked into a union contract. You, you, you get this contract and then that's what your wages go up during this time. Wages for other workers who aren't in union contracts have gone up closer with inflation, although not all the way with inflation. They've gone up more than these guys. Well, that's because they were locked in contracts. Okay, so that's the pluses and minuses to dictating to the companies over a four-year term or however long it is uh, what they're going to have to pay you. Sometimes you lose on that. You got to take the uh, bad with the good. So you better believe big free price gouging has a lot to do with that also. And auto workers' wages are up a mere 6%. So we've continued to fall further behind. Can we fight? We win! In their economy, one of our workers would have to work 400 years to make what a CEO makes in one year. So that argument right there, one of our workers would have to work 400 years to make what their CEO makes in one year. That's an emotional argument. You could say that to someone and they could feel like they've got no chance of ever getting ahead or whatever. Uh, but it has no bearing on what people are getting paid. Like It, it doesn't matter. You can do the math on it. You can easily do the math on it. And it doesn't matter. You could pay, you could double the CEO's salary. You could triple the CEO's salary. You could pay the CEO 20 times more and it might not equal if you took all that money and gave it to the workers what they're asking for a raise right now. Because there's so many workers and when you divide out $30 million out between hundreds, 100,000 workers, doesn't come out to very much money. That's just the way that math works. I'm sorry. Math is mean sometimes. It's mean math. All right, I'm going to go to one of the other videos. Uh, we've got Party for Socialism and Liberation. Um, so you got some great people posting stuff out here. Uh, let's see what some of these workers that are striking are saying. You get a raise of every other year, 45 cents. 45 cents. 45 cents. Him, me, him, him. Oscar, that's our race, 45 cents every other year. Not every year, every other year. The retirees out here could barely uh, pay for their prescriptions. I mean, they just gave 30 years, 40 years of their life. They can barely put food on the table. You got people working in these plants that can't even buy the trucks and the cars that they build. One, two, three, four, we don't take it anymore. One, two, three, four, we don't take it anymore. We've had a 6% raise over the last four years. The, the high wigs or big wigs or whatever you want to call them, they've gained 40%, which is crazy. 
the way the system is built right now, it's not built for, for the middle class and the, and the lower people to win. It's not, and if we don't do it right now, your kid's going to be in trouble. So they're all out there echoing Bernie Sanders, democratic socialist, socialist, communist arguments right now um, on the strike, on the picket line for the unions. And so you ask me why I don't like unions is because this, this is the mentality uh, that has to go in to having a union. It is an anti-capitalist mentality. It's an anti-business owner mentality. It's a pro-worker and hey, I'm pro-worker, but there's different ways to be pro-worker. That's why we believe in a free market. You want people to have more opportunities out there. And like I said, if, if this guy right here on screen is not making enough money to uh, help his kids or do whatever it is that he's, that he's trying to do, uh, then I would recommend that he get a job making more money somewhere else. But he might not be able to. He probably can't. And so why does he just automatically deserve more money if you can't command more money like that in the market? Here's another person talking about some of the same stuff. It would take um, just somebody like me 40 hours a week. Yeah. Um, no overtime, 365 years to make what our CEO made at Stellanus in one year. 365 years. I don't know that you need 22 million a year yeah. to enjoy yourself. I don't know. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. That's just the person I am. I agree. Like making that money, like knowing that there's kids on the street, homeless. Like I just, that's just me. I, I don't know. I, they're a different kind of breed, I think. I just now, after eight years in August, I just now reached top pay. Yeah. And I just now started making, I think, a dollar more than what my mom made when she retired. In, 1990. in 1997. So 25 years later. Yes. I mean, eventually in 10 years, you're going to have a lot, a lot of money or you're going to struggle. There's not going to be any happy meat. I hope that doesn't happen, but it worries me that it will. So yet again, the argument that you she'd have to work 365 years to make what the CEO makes. And she wouldn't be able to do that. You know, she just wouldn't get, well, then, then don't worry about it. There's one person doing that that has nothing to do with your wage. And then she goes into talking about, well, there's a lot of people that are hurting out there, that are struggling. There's start. There's people in the streets. There's uh, hungry kids, or whatever it is that she was talking about. But she's not talking about giving that money to them. She's talking about the company needs to pay billions and billions more dollars to the people that are working for this company, and they're making some of the best wages that are out there in the economy right now. Some of these people making that it goes from eighteen to thirty-two dollars an hour. When you look at the total compensation, this these are numbers that the companies have been throwing out. And it's important to look at it uh, when it goes to total compensation, pension and benefits, stuff like that. They say that they're actually paying $66 an hour uh, for their for their workers because of all of the benefits. Now, I haven't done all the math on that. I haven't looked into it. There's several people uh, that are throwing those numbers around, the CEOs of the companies and stuff like that. Maybe it's all propaganda. Maybe it's all made up. I don't know. But that's total compensation. And we're talking about the CEO's total compensation. So I think we should compare total comp to total comp. And in my opinion, I think we should. I believe we got one more video here. Let's see. Yep. 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 And here we go. Well, the more I think about it, you hear this term income inequality. I think that's the wrong term. This is just theft. It sounds to me like these companies are, are 
Wage slavery, you said. Yeah, wage slavery. I mean, how how can someone work six hours, ten, I mean, six days, ten hours a week, or ten hours a day, and still not be able to afford? You can't even afford a cat if you wanted a cat. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't a cat, you said? We get kids. We can't afford an animal if we wanted an animal. Like, afford the house plants I have yeah. just to just to water them, and you know, buy soil. Well, get rid of your house plants. Just get rid of them. put them outside in nature. You can't afford a cat. Don't get a cat. All right. Put it out in nature, too. The cat's a prisoner anyway. I feel bad. You know, every time I open the door, the cat trying to go outside. I'm like, no, cat, you got to stay in your cell. You got to stay in your prison cell. OK, so I don't know. Maybe don't imprison helpless animals. <laughs> they want to come inside, too. They just want to go. They want to do both. You know how cats are. They're they're curious about stuff. But this is theft. So this guy says the more he thinks about it. It's wage slavery. It's theft. You know, it's not theft or all of the taxes that are being taken out of these people's paychecks um, without their consent and all of the inflation that has happened over the last few years without people's consent. That's not theft. Uh, it's that these companies aren't paying more money than they might even be able to afford uh, to these workers. And the thing is, they're going to do the math on this and... It's going to work out to where they'll they'll have to raise the price of the cars. They're going to have to decrease the amount of workers that they have. They might have to move some factories overseas, or they might have to invest less in some of the things that they're wanting to invest in right now. Like that, that's that's just what's going to happen. It, you're not going to get around that the companies can't just lose money every year, and they want to make a certain amount of money also. Uh, so they maybe they want to make four percent or five percent every single year. Uh, to be a to be a good company, people aren't going to invest in it if they're not making that much every year. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I'm not going to go through the rest of this article we were just talking about, but let's talk about some of the reasons why this is happening. They put out stats like these companies have made a couple hundred billion dollars over the last ten years. Now, um, that that's true. When you look at their net income, I was going through some of their statements. You could see I was looking at some of their numbers. Um, it's true. They have gone through uh, and made a couple hundred billion dollars over the last 10 years. But what have they been doing with it? Well, they're not just paying it out to the people up at the top. It's not even sitting in their bank account because you can look at their cash balances and their cash balances haven't changed that much over over that time. Uh, I think GM has 20 billion dollars uh, in cash. Ford, I think less than that. Stellantis is probably doing the best out of all of them, but we've already talked about some of the issues with Stellantis. What about some of the rules that the government has placed on these companies? We talked about this when they announced it last year. New EPA rule, U.S. fuel economy rules, will soon require 49 miles per gallon average. Now that takes a lot of innovation to get to that, 49 miles per gallon average. The way you're going to do that you're going to have more hybrids and you're going to have more EVs and they're going to be required to have this. Um, I think this is like by 2030 or so, they have to have 49 mile per gallon average. It might be even sooner than that. So they put these rules over the top of the companies and you're talking about, you're talking about Fords and Chevys and Dodge, you know, they, they're not exactly known for their amazing fuel economy. They're not like Tesla who comes in and only does EVs. And so clearly the miles per gallon doesn't apply to them. They've got to retool their whole setup to be able to do this. 
All right, they're, they're not set up to be EV companies. This has been a big transition for them to, to switch into EVs and, and hybrids. Massive transition for them, which requires a lot of money. Billions and billions of dollars it requires. Now, in the Inflation Reduction Act, here's an article that we've discussed in the past. Biden's EV push could end up costing taxpayers four, four times more than advertised. EV push costing taxpayers four times more than it was advertised. Um, that They had initially said it was going to cost $30 billion, and now they're saying it could end up costing over $100 billion. A big portion of this has to do with what they're going to pay these companies for their EV battery plants, essentially subsidizing their EV batteries. And all of these companies, because of these subsidies for the batteries, have transitioned into building battery manufacturing plants in the U.S. Billions and billions of dollars into this. Let's see, following the rash of new battery investments, totally more than $73 billion from these companies. $73 billion in 2022 alone they have put into making batteries because the government's going to be subsidizing the batteries for them, okay? You got... Ford saying that they're going to receive $7 billion in tax breaks from 2023 to 2026. GM expects $300 million just in 2023. Um, yeah, $17.5 billion between 2023 and 2026 for the uh, automakers, and that's including Tesla that the government's going to be paying out. And that's just batteries. And so they put this incentive over the top of the companies, and they say, well... You know what we're going to have to do? We're going to put all of our money into making batteries so we don't have to buy them from China because that's what people are worried about. What's the other thing that's happening? Well, the government is also doing this $7,500 tax credit for EVs. And so an interesting part here is that they're taking money from the people through taxation and they're then turning around and giving it back to these companies, which we know, as we talked about in the past, is raising the prices of the cars that they're manufacturing. Then they take the tax money, which some of it got taken from the workers, by the way, and then they give it back to these companies for their higher priced vehicles. Of course, that's once they transition themselves into fully EV manufacturing companies. The problem that we're running into here is that you might not be able to do both of these things, okay? Here's an article from, uh, I think this year, Ford, uh, spending $11.4 billion investment in new EV battery plants. Uh, previous year, 2022, Ford announces $3.7 billion to invest to build electric vehicles. Now, when they talk about the combined $5 billion in stock buybacks, that's supposed to make everyone really mad. Oh, they're wasting all this money. Well, just Ford in the last, in 2022, 2023, right there, announced $14.7 billion investing towards going towards EVs and batteries. No one's talking about that. They're talking about like the billion dollars, $2 billion or whatever out of that stock buyback number, because that includes all of the companies. Uh, they're, they're talking about that and that that's them being greedy and wasting their money. So the, the problem they're running into is that they're essentially being mandated by the government to transition into being EV companies, all right? To be able to do that, they've got to like rebuild their companies because they're not built to do this. 
They've got to make new manufacturing plants. They've got to retool all of, all of the current plants. If you followed Tesla for a long time, it took them a long time to get all this stuff figured out. And that's what Ford and GM and even Stellantis with Chrysler and Fiat and all that, um, what they're trying to figure out. It takes a lot of money to do that. And so as they make these profits, the profits that people are worried about over the last 10 years, because we look at things in increments of 10 years, I guess, they can either take the 200 250 billion dollars in profits and give it all to the workers that are currently working there or they can take it and do this transition into green energy vehicle green vehicles or whatever i want to say green energy because it's still going to be coming from dirty energy most of it which one is it going to be they're not going to be able to do both of them so if if they this UAW strike ends up equaling the 40% or 35% pay increases that people want. That could end up costing these companies a lot of money. How much a lot of money? Um, oh, I forgot to put the article in here. I had an article from Business Insider that I just pulled today. What did the fact on at the top of it say? UAW demands would add $80 billion to U.S. car maker labor costs. That's over the course of the uh, that's over the course of the um, agreement. I think it's four years, so twenty billion dollars more a year. But there's eighty billion that they're going to be spending on transitioning into being new car companies, and instead they're going to pay out that much more in labor. You think it's going to increase the price of the vehicles? How are they going to get enough money to go out there and transition to EVs and making clean batteries? They're either going to raise the prices so they can make a bunch more money and put that towards it, or they're going to go to the government for help. And the government's going to have to give them your money to go and build these factories and uh, manufacture all these batteries and these new cars. No such thing as a free lunch. That's the moral of the story. And the biggest problem I have with all of this is the socialist mindset behind it. The mindset of, well, they made these profits, that means it needs to go out to these workers. Record profits mean record wages is kind of the, the thing that they've been saying. Rec record profits could mean record wages if you don't want to expand your business or if you're not trying to entirely create a new business like uh, what these companies are needing to do right now. Right now, they need to fully transition to being new companies that make vehicles like tesla does okay this is going to help tesla in the short term quite a bit and by the way uaw going after elon musk right now as well saying um that greedy people like elon musk oh workers shouldn't accept lower wages so greedy people like elon musk can build more rocket ships now on one hand he's talking about the fact that tesla is not a union automaker and when you look at their pay comparisons tesla pays the same total compensation or more by some calculations, I haven't done all the calculations, uh, when you include their stock options and benefits. Musk responded and said that some of the people at the company have become millionaires over the last few years with what's happened with Tesla stock. Okay, that's a long-term mindset for people that are actually taking real profit sharing and even real ownership in the company of the goods that they are making. It's a longer term mindset where some of the people working at the company have just become millionaires because maybe they didn't have a union, but they were getting paid shares of Tesla, which then skyrocketed and they made a ton of money. Which one sounds better? I, I think 
I think what Tesla's doing sounds better. And then the sad part of this, once again, this mindset where you can't look at towards the future. Greedy people like Elon Musk building more rocket ships. Rocket ships are pretty important. All right. We've gotten a lot from our space programs over the years, a lot of new inventions. Uh, I think going to Mars is cool. I think the innovations that are going to come from the attempt to go to Mars is going to be even cooler. And then when you look at things like Starlink, throwing internet around the world to places that have not been able to communicate, uh, third world countries that haven't had any infrastructure, but they can get it. Or even if you care a whole bunch about people in Ukraine and they didn't have any way to communicate until all those Starlink terminals were sent over there, you care about that too. But it's more important that Elon Musk took all the money that Tesla made, which by the way, they were losing money for a long time, took all the money Tesla made and just gave it to all the workers and then never invested in anything else in the future after that. And that is why socialism fails. One of them, one of the main reasons that socialism fails. And that's what all of these people are missing right now. That's a very scary mindset. I've been worried about the socialist takeover for a long time, not personally, but for the world in general. It might not come through government. I see it more in what these unions are doing right now. This anti-capitalist mentality where you can come in with aid of the government and the Department of Labor and the fact that they can't just now fire all of these union employees and hire all new ones at these factories. Uh, so they have the aid of the government, but they come in, they form the union, and then they control the company, essentially. It's a de facto worker ownership and seizure of the means of production uh, by way of using the Department of Labor and the force <clears throat> that they are allowing uh them to have as well. So that's why I don't like what's happening right now. I like to actually look at the math involved in it and I want to see what would happen in a free market. The union is not part of a free market. What the government does is not part of a free market and the companies themselves getting tons of uh, incentives with these EV credits uh, for batteries and the cars, not even operating in the free market either. And these are all symptoms of that problem. Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, and I know you did. Then go to joingml.com and join the Fed Haters Club. It's hard to read the messages. I'm sorry, folks. It's hard to read the messages when I'm here talking by myself. All right. Um, I see I have a whole bunch of messages that I haven't read through, uh, but I know they are all great. And if you want to join the Fed Haters Club, then go to joingml.com. It's only six bucks a month. You can pay more if you want to. It just depends on how much you care about the future of humanity. Uh, so go to joingml.com. Go to Fed Haters Club. Nope. Go to godhatesfeds.com and grab a t-shirt. I got two shirts that should be arriving today that are new test shirts. And if they look good, then I'll be putting those shirts up on that uh, website. I'll let you know once I see them. I want to see them in person before we put them up for sale. So go check that out. Tell a friend, tell a family member, leave a rating and review. Make sure you subscribe and follow. Make sure you find us on YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, all those things. If you do all of that, and I mean every single gall darn bit of it, I'll be right back here again tomorrow. Until then, have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.